It's time to wake up to Tequila Sunrise. I am Greg White, your supply chain tech advisor, with more insights into what you need to know to succeed in supply chain tech startup, growth, investment, and transformation. So let's tip a glass to another enlightening Tequila Sunrise. It is, and and that sort of technology requires a ton of money, right? Yes. I think a lot of people, a lot and of risk. founders, think and of risk. their problem as as if it's as complex as getting to space and solving solving navigation problems in space. One of the companies that I'm talking to, right? Um, yeah. But it's not all that. It's not all that difficult. But those are the ones that make that make headlines. And it sort of sets the tone for, oh, that's what it takes to be yes. tech, uh, you know, a tech entrepreneur or a unicorn, which somebody yes. had never used that word. Uh, I, but you are absolutely right. Like a lot of a lot of startups today, they're not they don't have technology. Yeah. They may have some code, but agricultural companies have code today like having code doesn't qualify you to be a technology company it's a good point it's a really good point so but i think yeah no no well no no finish your thought definitely please finish that thought <laughs> no i i was thinking um like one thing we look at in kubera is always like is there any differentiating technology um and i i wanted to say like how difficult it's been um, to really identify companies who are building something proprietary. Yes. Like so much code is repurposed. So many algorithms are available on um, open source software right. that it's, it's, it is expensive um, to build something proprietary and it's becoming very rare as yeah. well. Yeah. A lot of people are using open source or, or, cloud-based shared technologies to to build what low code low code um and it's it's like they can still deliver the end value um but it's like especially for funds like us where that proprietary technology is a differentiator for investments it 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 becomes difficult um well apology loves to ask the question is that is this solving a today problem or is it solving a tomorrow problem? And that is really exactly. what defines one big aspect of the investability of a company is, does it solve a Absolutely. tomorrow problem? Because if it can be solved with low code, it's much like if it can be solved w- with an accumulation of open source, what have you really built that somebody else couldn't build? This whole concept of a moat, right? Something that, that yeah. helps you avoid attack. Right. And and being over. Absolutely. And it's it's like, especially as you know, I, I look at a lot of future of work stuff and it's like 99 percent of future of work deals are, are today of work. They're not necessarily <laughs> looking at <laughs> the future at all, at all. RPA strikes me as one of those types of things is it's it's automating things like invoice reconciliation, that sort of thing. That's not the future. That is the now. Hell, that should have been the 15 years ago. That is the now. 
Absolutely. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's wonderful that there's more access to it. So yeah. like when you look at that, like phase of technology going to mainstream, I think it's wonderful that AI, ML, all of these technologies are going more mainstream and there's more welcoming towards um, these technologies from the enterprise. But we use the term um, human assisted AI um, a lot when we're, when we're looking at AI, where like, we want AI to help decision makers make the best decisions. Mm. So I, I think like that's the sweet spot of like um, what we can do for tomorrow where let's get rid of all mundane tasks that we're doing today. Right. Um, instead of building the exact same productivity software over and over and over right. again. And then it's all true. of us go back to Trello. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, to me, it feels like so much of what's being done, it doesn't even, some of it doesn't even necessarily require AI. For instance, no. Siri, not AI. A lot AI. of AI companies are not AI anyways. Right. It's, um, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think. RPAs and, and workflows. Yes, exactly. Lots of linear programming, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I have to ask you this. Um, how did you acquire these skills. I mean, I know you've been a founder and I know you've been in, involved in investing, but how did you acquire this ability to kind of break all this down to understand, understand the investor and, and founder perspective and, and apply it so effectively. And I'm asking not for our community here. I'm asking for me because I want to figure out how you did it. So I can. Do it. Um, I think, Two things. One is I'm a generalist and I've, there has been many points in my life where that has been very discouraging to me and I haven't enhanced um, and, and sort of owned up to being a generalist. Um, because if you're ever searching for a job or if you want to be labeled as something, um, it's very difficult when you're a generalist. Um, but that's who I am. Um, so, is that I what we would call a jack of all trades in the states? You know a little I don't bit have about a lot everything. Of trades. I, I don't have a lot of trades in, in that sense. You know what I mean? But it's like I can talk about many things. Let's say if that's a trade. So it's like one side of that is um, up to a couple of years ago, I always saw that as a disadvantage, where I saw a lot of people as like being expert in something, and I was never an expert in anything. But then I have learned to own up to it and and benefit from it um, through. And and I think venture capital has helped that a lot because it helped me understand where I can put all of that to good use. Hmm. Um, so I would say one is that I think like it's okay to be a generalist and it's it's okay to um, like there are career paths that come from that because like especially in my early 20s being a generalist was very confusing to me because everybody was like you were amazing in math like why don't you become an investment banker and like I don't want to become an investment and like why don't you do this why don't you, like it was it was all very confusing like why don't you become a lawyer? Like it's, and I, I didn't want to do all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it took me a while to own up to it and a lot of depression. <laughs> but um, I would say that's the first thing of like understanding where your strengths are and, and trying to like 
replay the game with those strengths. Um, and the second thing is, I, I think I have a spongish appetite to learning. And then not just learning, but like redigesting and like structuring it in, in a like consumable way. Mm-hmm. Um, which which could have made me like a good teacher or something, um, you know. But but it's it's um, um, I I think it's mostly that. Like I try to take knowledge, and then for me to remember it well, I have to partition it, and it has to fit into a box. And like that's how I always took notes when I was in class. So my notes were always very popular because I had like little diagrams. Like I, I took notes like all over. It wasn't like one paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like bullet pointed and, and like, because that's how my mind was. Um, so I think that helps because when I try to look, when I learn something new, I, I try to position it in a way that can serve with everything else that I have. So it gets, added. it's not like just life experiences. Um, so I think those are the, the two things that worked for me, but I would say it took a long time for me to turn that into an asset. That's it's really interesting. I hear a lot of familiarity in in that discussion. I think you're much more aware and mindful of it than I ever was, though. You kind of analyzed it and were thoughtful about it. I guess I just thought I was lazy, too lazy to learn anything at any real depth. And so I and just accepted I, that. I went <laughs> I, I went to doctor and I was like, I think I have ADD. Like I, I actually went to a professional and I was like, so I we got a uh, we got a worksheet and like I was taking all of the points. And so I went to the doctor and I was like, here's the worksheet. See? It was like 17 out of 20 or something, you know? Um, and it was a very short conversation where she took my life history and she said, if you did well in school, you don't have ADD. Like that's the norm. Um, and for me, so like for me to tackle through like what was wrong with me and like, how can I make sure that um, I can succeed in the future? Because some of this is advantage and some of it is disadvantage. Having yeah. so many interests um, creates lack of focus, um, lack of prioritization. And to do a startup if you want to become a VC, you can you can have your ADD and become a VC. Um, but if you don't tackle through your productivity issues, you can't be a good founder. Um, so for me to transition back into Founderville, um, I had to sort how I can take this and put it into good use. Um, so for me, like it, it was a process. Um, so that's why, like, because I went through the process to actually solve a problem, I had to focus time to think about it. Because as you said, like, I just had a baby. So it's like, it has given me new perspective on time. Because if I don't get things done when I can, I cannot get them done. Right. Um, and I think like pre-motherhood, time was the more fluid concept. Uh, yeah. So like I was, I was forced into going through all of these changes, um, to be a successful founder this time round and, and also like, you know, balance everything out that needs to be balanced. That's it. Wow. Um, can I tell you that aside, aside from sharing that, you know, the thing that you've really 
effectively communicated is why people who are known by other people get mm-hmm. funded, get an advantageous position because you have just communicated effectively why and what you've gone through to be fit to be a founder. And, and it's that interaction, that, you know, um, engagement that we have that I go, I totally get her. I get, you know, I get how she's turned that into a gift. And I, and, and, and I think, it's a good lesson for people is to communicate who you are and be comfortable with it and, and find, as so many people say, find your tribe, find those people who get you, who can help you to turn that into something great. Because even as disjointed as we are or have been in the past, Sana, we can make things great and, and other people can too. And they just need yes. somebody that, that gets that. And that can help bring it out of them. All right. But here's the thing. You leaked something. And that is that you are a founder oh. yet again. Um, and I know, yes. you're, I know your company is in stealth. So first, I would love for you to describe what the heck stealth is for anyone out there who doesn't know. And then anything that you could share with us? Could we get an exclusive here at Tequila Sunrise? Yes. And yes. Um, so stealth, um, funny enough, um, there's this trend that I've been loving. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, building in public. Um, I, I follow a couple of companies where they're completely transparent with their revenues, with all of their processes and everything. And it's it's usually on Twitter or that's mm. where I've been finding them. But I've been following a couple of companies where they are building in public. Um, okay, so stealth cool. is the complete opposite of that. Um, where stealth is like, if you have a conviction of uh, where your product is going in the market and you think there's a significant advantage to building behind doors a bit, um, you take the time to reveal to the public um, so that you can use the launch time to more of your advantage. Um, So for the first time, I'm building a consumer company, which is why we have chosen to build in stealth. Um, but I would say with enterprise, it would be very stupid to do that. Um, whenever you can have customers, have them, um, let people break your product. Um, do not care at all that it looks ugly. Like enterprise is a completely different mindset. Whereas consumer is like, you go to market once. Um, and especially our product has a hardware component to it. It is not, we're not building hardware, but we are, I I say like hardware enabled, Um, where we're using off-the-shelf hardware to to repurpose for a different application. Um, So there isn't that much room for a mistake um, when you're going to consumer. So for those reasons, we have chosen to stay back a bit um, and and we have built a a group of uh, product testers for us that are um, using the product and hopefully they will evolve with the product and and become our evangelists. I'll, I'll summarize what we do in a little bit. We are we are a mission-driven company. We our goal is to um, create an entertainment platform for children so that they can stay active indoors. Um, and and we are learning a lot doing that. Um, so it will be a combination of physical activity and and gaming and and other things. Um, but it's um, 
I want to say it's an entertainment company. It's not an education company because like everything that's built for the kids these days, they're like, this is education. Um, and I feel like kids are the biggest sponges in the world and they learn from anything. And as, everything as long is as education. Build, yeah. Right. Yes. Like there, there's education in everything. Right. Um, so in that sense, I think we are first an entertainment and content company. Um, but, um, with children, you never know where it goes. Um, we are, we are looking at those under six. We're looking at kids under six. It's a very tough market to crack. Uh, they're very honest. They're brutally honest with yes. your product. If they hate it, they hate it. Um, so we've actually built a little board of advisors <laughs> with kids, um, and, and, uh, <laughs> that is going to look good on some kids resume. In the next yes. <laughs> 10 or 15 years. And I was it's on the board a lot of, of our social circles kids. Yes. Major um, consumer company. Yes. Um, but um, it is for the parents as well. Our, um, I think I want to say parents, but we know this is going mostly for moms. Moms need a guilt-free break um, to do things for themselves. And yeah. um, children need... Whatever happens with COVID, uh, work from home is here to stay. And a yeah. lot of um, outdoor activities that we've been going to, um, you know, going to movie theater, going to, uh, to going to the gym and a lot of activities, they've been pushed indoors in our lives with like Pelotons and Netflixes and, and all of it. Right. Um, so I, I think this is going to be a venue where like if, if mom has a Peloton, um, hopefully we're going to be the platform for the kids. Uh, so that's that's what Very we're working cool. on. Well, that's going to be a big market. Let me tell you, when all of those Pelotons finally get shipped over here by air, <laughs> that will be a big, big market. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. We've been doing a lot of like, um, potential customer calls, understanding of like what people need. And it's, um, the feedback has been wonderful. Um, it's, it's an interesting market. First of all, as you said, very large market, and, um, very large consumer spending. The millennial parent is spending about thousand dollars more per child than Gen X parents. Um, wow. So there's, there's appetite, yes. And, and most of it is digital products and like smart toys. Um, so there's, there's good appetite. There's about 7 million kids that come into your market every year. So there's like fresh opportunity. Right. Um, so it's a good market. But at the same time, we have to discover how much it will be to acquire those newcomers into the market. Um, so it has its challenges as well, but like, I think it will be fun to figure it out. I can't wait. I know you can't tell us right now, but I can't wait to, to see it. <laughs> um, anything that keeps these poor kids who are heads down in their iPad while their parents eat dinner, anything that gets those kids active, I just feel like has, has to be powerful. I'm, 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 maybe that's a good thing. But to me, it just seems a little unnatural for a kid to be isolated at dinner with headphones and their and their iPad in front of them. So get these kids active, get them engaged with mom and yeah. dad, with other kids, whatever. I think that is powerful, powerful stuff. And it will be for a, a good long time to come. Right. It's interesting. Some of the trends that we've seen evolving like millennials buying homes, right? Remember, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about that millennials would never own their homes. 
And, and now they're the largest purchasers no. of homes in, at least in the States. So. And they're relocating. Um, right. That's, that's also been an insane trend where I think it's going to be incredible where you have these like technologists and I think high earners going into these traditional U.S. towns, um, bringing that consumer dynamic into these towns, bringing, you know, different service businesses along with them and, and different right. requirements. I think it's, it's again, uh, a democratizer yeah. of, of, you know, small versus large cities. Um, it's it's going to be incredible. Yeah. So do you think that maybe Blue Ridge, Georgia will have a metropolitan museum? <laughs> Why not? I, Maybe not. I mean, but you never know. Of course, if you've I, ever I been think, to Blue Ridge, Georgia, it's basically an outdoor museum. I mean, it has its own gifts. If you're looking for the wilderness or lakes or mountains or trees or parks or paths. I, I think we are going to digitize a lot of these like experiences, such as going into a museum. And I think as we add more space in our houses, I think we will have like one spare room for like the crazy digital activities of like, you know, the, the VR room. Yeah, the home theater <laughs> of the past like, will become the VR room, right? Yeah. I, I think so, you know, I, I think also like, um, I don't know, like with, with COVID we've learned Yes, the, the world is large, but like we've we've learned also how small it is and, and how we are all tied to one another. So um I I don't know. Everybody talks about growing twenties. I, I don't know how um explosive travel, like international travel specifically and, and mm -hmm. being more adventurous and all of that. I don't know how those will pan out. Um but um there's a lot at the consumer level, that's going to be really difficult to predict. And that is going to continue to be a challenge for us, right? Yeah. Because I think you'll see a lot of trends start and then the current infrastructure, whatever dynamics won't allow that trend to get to an explosive stage. Uh, who knows? It's just a thought. Yes. Not, not that I know anything. Um, yes. well, okay. Well, first of all, thank you. And thank you for contributing something purpose driven. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I know you're going to have to take this on as a full-time job, but I'm still going to call yes. you for advice. So, uh, you, you have um, to answer the phone. I, I, I think I will keep some sort of an honorary advisory something title. Yes, with that's the right. Um, that's, that's right. You'll be my, doing. you'll be our advisor. <laughs> that's right. So that'll be great. <laughs> Um, all right. So before we wrap here, any any single or couple few takeaways that you just think if someone left this without getting this, they would really have missed out on the last Lord have mercy few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think two things that we talked about. One was build with purpose. Um, change an industry, change a lifestyle, change, change something core, um, change, you know, um, navigation of space shuttles, like change something. Yeah. Um, but, but have, have that sort of daring vision 
um, to execute something big. I think that's one. And the second is um, understand how you grow and mm. race for things that need money. I think yeah. those have been the two points where we've, we've talked about the most. Yeah, I, I agree. Those are fantastic. I think, <laughs> I think a couple of really down to earth aspects of both of those things are build where the problem is, right? You basically yes. opened with that build where the problem is. Um, and, and also funding doesn't buy runway. Funding buys milestones, accomplishments, outcomes. Student. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. right. Well, but, but having said that, I, I think I may need to go to LA because I think most of my talent for my company is based out of LA. So <laughs> perfect. That's what I've been finding. Well, you know some but, people. What um, am I saying? <laughs> no. So um, my co-founder is actually based out of Toronto. So we are we are complete remote first company and we have someone in Latin America, um, one person in Turkey and one person in Atlanta. Wow. Uh, and one contract person in Austin. So like we are all over. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That, that yeah. seems like that. I mean, I guess I've been doing that a long time. So that has been sort of my norm for over 20 years, but just, just over 20. Uh, but, <laughs> but, um, it is very common, becoming more and more common for companies to be founded remotely. I mean, it, and it will yeah. probably be a year more for you to meet some of your some of your teammates, right? Kubera has been like that. Yeah. Uh, Kubera was remote first from day one. Yeah. Um, I keep forgetting well. we've never met in person. We've never right? met in person. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot that. Yeah, it feels it does feel so natural. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you. Those are outstanding takeaways. Um, this has been a great discussion. So much insight. I think people get what I get um, from you. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, big thanks to you, Sena. Thank you. Sena Zorlu, venture partner at Kubera Venture Capital and co-founder at Stealth Startup, yet to be named. So um, how, oh, Saina, how can, how can our community uh, connect with you? Um, we can share my email. I'm, I'm happy yeah, to share. Yeah, that's fine. LinkedIn, yeah. Twitter. LinkedIn is good. Um, Twitter DMs are open. Um, What's I your handle say, on Twitter? Uh, Zorlo Sena. Okay, nice. Um, I, I, I would say Twitter and LinkedIn are better than email. I'm not okay. the best email uh, okay. communicator. Okay, and it's S-E-N-A-Z-O-R-L-U. S-E-N-A-Z-O-R-L-U. Yeah. That is me. Like what could be easier <laughs> to spell than that? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, thank you, Sana. Um, thank you. And thanks to everyone for joining me and Sana. And remember, acknowledge reality, but refuse to be bound by it. How can I help you improve your shot at supply chain tech success? Four ways. 
one. Subscribe to Tequila Sunrise wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you're notified of my new episode every week. Two, follow me on LinkedIn and see my supply chain summaries every weekday. Three, if you're a startup founder or growth stage leader and you need an active advisor to propel you through your supply chain tech journey, I'm currently considering select strategic advisory roles. Or four, if you need an incubator or investment for your supply chain tech, reach out to me on LinkedIn and let's talk.